Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. All right, everybody. Beautiful Sunday night. Thank you for being here with me. Um, TikTok and uh, Instagram followers, you guys are going to be able to see my screen, but the full on-screen share is going to be on Facebook yet. We're still working out the tech to give you guys an on-screen shot here. I wanted to uh, tilt my camera a little bit just to give you guys a little view, but if you guys want to see all my slides, all my data and everything else, you're going to have to go to Facebook. You can always re-watch on Facebook and eventually it'll be on YouTube. Uh, just thank you guys. Uh, for being here. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, I am Nick Slavic. This is the Ask a Painter live show. I am the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I'm also the host of this show, Ask a Painter Live. It is a weekly live Facebook, Instagram, TikTok show where I use my over three decades of experience as a master craftsperson and a paint business owner to sort of show you like the life of a master craftsperson, the life of an entrepreneur, and also I really, really, really want everybody to have an easier time of this than I did. Um, I am the chairman of the board of the PCA, the Painting Contractors Association. It is a um, it is a 140-year-old nonprofit that serves the industry. Uh, and tonight, we formally start a series of shows called Mastering the Basics. Every winter, I go through a series of shows called Mastering the Basics, where we use my... Uh, steps to professionalization, which I'm throwing up on screen right now. Um, there is a checklist on this thing. Let me just make sure I get on this thing. There is six steps plus some other ancillary things, six basic steps uh, that I've, I've taken a bunch of business books. I've taken a bunch of friends. I've taken my own experience and I've condensed it down into here's the six steps in order of what you should do to limit pain and maximize happiness and profit in this industry. Now, if your main goal is to take care of all your people, make money, uh, less friction, things like that, every single one of these steps is going to do that. Um, everything as far as, um, you know, hey, uh, I don't know how to schedule. I can't find any labor. Everybody keeps leaving me. Uh, I don't know if I'm making money. What do you charge for X? Every single one of those things can be solved by these steps. I dedicate one show to each step, sometimes multiple shows of the steps where we go through and do that. At the end of this show, I also give you my email address and I give you all my resources, all my templates because people have done this for me in the past and I want to do the same for you. I want you to have fun. I want you to make money. I want you to have the happiest customers, the happiest employees, and I want this to be something that gives you uh, immense amount of freedom, both of time and money. So uh, really looking forward to this, everybody. We're going to dive into this thing. I will say there's lots of show notes in this particular thing. Um, I have a link to a whole bunch of uh, upcoming events here. We have a link to get me in your area for a master's class. Uh, we're just circling around about another five master's classes all over the place. So I have one in Minnesota uh, booked. I have one in uh, Central California. Um, we have the big expo coming up, things like that. It's a great time. I will say this, finally, if you like any of this stuff, this and this information was some of the basis, the founding basis for the PCA's business training. 
we have foundations, we have accelerator, and we have legacy. Um, these basic steps of how to professionalize your business not only will get you off the ground, they will accelerate you and make you professional. And then if you ever want to exit these businesses, they might actually be worth something. So um, this is my urge to all you guys, which is we want to take care of our people. We want to make money. We want to be happy, right? But we need to run professionalized businesses. So yeah. Uh, Bradley Ellison, before we get any farther, yes, you can. Absolutely. Uh, happy to. Good evening, Travis. All right, folks. So uh, at the end of this show, you get my email address. I will send you this list, the steps to professionalization. I will also send you copies of all of my SOPs, my guides uh, to making SOPs and some other supporting information like that. Um, the coolest thing about my steps to professionalization here, if you look at, uh, let's say, here's the estimate, estimating one. This is one of my most popular ones. Look at this. This document is full of hyperlinks. It will take you, it will take you to, do, 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 it will take you to actual Ask a Painter live shows where I go into mastering the basics of estimating. So this is your menu. This is the grand topic. This is the thing uh, that can take you uh, to the next level in your business. Now, this information is all free and I'm here to help you with it via email. Uh, now, the only problem is, can you actually do it? So you guys ready to hop in? Instagram, TikTok, are we ready to do this? Facebook, all right, here we go, folks. The first show, Mastering the Basics of the Winter Season. Uh, standard Operating Procedures, folks. Standard Operating Procedures. I love this series of shows so much, guys. Uh, interaction goes through the roof. Emailing goes through the roof. Uh, sharing resources goes through the roof, and I get to interact with all you guys. So without further ado, it is Sunday night. Um, I hear there's uh, some football games, some sports games going on too, uh, especially here in Minnesota. I don't care. This is the thing that gives me energy. Go sports. I'm sure they'll do just fine. All right. So mastering the basics, Ask a Painter Live number 390. This is 390 consecutive weeks I've done without missing one. We're going to go over standard operating procedures, SOPs. This is a mini master's class. I have a three-hour version of this. Uh, we're going to go through a very much shorter version of that tonight. So these are my beloved estimators, estimator Andy and estimator Ian. They have an SOP, right? We always think of SOPs as being how to paint a bedroom, how to paint cabinets, things like that. But here we go, folks. Uh, everything down to estimating, project management, office coordination, and even my job, the visionary of this company, the marketing manager, uh, HR, things like that. We have a standard operating procedure uh, so that things don't go sideways. Again, you're going to see some themes arise not only through this show and others, which is if it's not written down, it doesn't exist. Everybody needs managers. People move towards chaos if they don't have a good manager and a system to follow, even us. So <laughs> I love this. Uh, uh, I, I, I love the Painter Facebook groups. I love the Painter Facebook groups because I posted uh, a while ago in preparation for last year's show, a thing saying, hey, folks, here's an SOP and I have a show coming up. Uh, let's discuss, right? And the, uh, the comments start coming in. It's painting, not rocket scientists. This is an indication of a micromanager. Now, I don't mean to push back. I don't mean to push back in our industry, but folks, I'm going to share some stats with you later that'll show you what kind of a fragmented sort of uh, uh, industry we have. But if your first reaction is this is an indicator of a micromanager, you're just wrong. You are just wrong. This is an indicator of somebody who has a proven process that you're going to teach to somebody and support them so they're not left alone. So they feel supported, so they know what a win is. So they feel like they have a support system around them, things like that. 
This is funny shit right here. All right. It is not funny. This is the basis of all businesses. Now, again, these are just some random comments that came in of this. Sounds like a scam to rip off a customer. This is the opposite of a scam to rip off a customer. This is a way to guarantee a client that you're going to do what you promise. Step number one, step number one of how to professionalize your business is creating a proven process. Why do you create a proven process? Painting industry. You do that so you, when you look a client in the eye and you say, we're going to paint your cabinets, you can guarantee them what the outcome is going to be. It's not going to chip. You're not going to have flaking paint. You're going to fill the grain and other things like that. This is the opposite of risking off a customer. Two people hearted this comment. Two people hearted this comment. Folks, you are hurting yourself. All right, man, if I had to go to work every day and follow that like a slave, then uh, I do a painter who enjoys come in, not bashing at all. Everyone is different from me. Uh, this person would feel bad coming in and working like this. All right. This is a recipe card, folks. When we bake bread, we don't just stick your finger in the air and guess the ingredients. You follow a recipe. There's nothing different than an SOP, a standard operating procedure than a recipe. Let's get into it, folks. Now, Ask a Painter on Instagram, on TikTok, and on uh, Facebook. You guys are dog whistled too. You are, on average, PCA members and Ask a Painter Live followers are 15 times larger and more professional than the average painting company. This is not a judgment call. I was a single owner operator, master craftsperson for way longer than I've had employees, all right? That's just the truth. But I will say this, the odds of somebody having 40 employees doing some of these steps to professionalization versus a single owner operator is much higher. All right. We've just had to solve more things. We're here to help you folks. We're here to help you. Somebody helped me when I was in those shoes too. All right. Next one. I put that slide up there folks, because I want you to know outside of ask a painter, it's rough out there. All right. And the biggest takeaway I want you guys to have is to be inclusive, not exclusive help everybody, right? I was once somebody saying, you don't have to write down what you do because it's all up here. I know what I'm doing. That's just what, that's what corporate corporate businesses do. It's not folks. If you ever want to have an employee, step number one, proven process. Grit can make up for SOPs for a while. You can use your labor, your effort, your blood, sweat, and tears to make up for a standard operating procedure. But as soon as you have employees that fails and sometimes the most miserable and uh, HR sort of uh, uh, problematic ways for you. Humans move towards entropy, folks. Entropy is chaos, right? All of us move towards, oh, wait, here we go. Oh my God, Rivera, Chris, I have your 294 SOP podcast saved on my phone. Keep playing in my truck while I'm driving around. Oh my God, uh, from Instagram, here's the deal. I have four of those shows now and you're getting a fresh one now. Every time I do a show, it's 12 more months of me learning, talking to you guys and innovating. So here we go. Here's another innovation. Save this on your phone and uh, I absolutely love that. So humans move towards entropy. Humans move towards chaos. So do I. If I don't have a manager, if I don't have a business, if I don't have a, a spouse and kids and a community and a, and a, and a ethos and a, and a worldview to keep me in line, I tend to move towards chaos. I know this. I'm not above all this stuff, right? Humans move towards chaos. That's why they need a standard operating procedure and they need a manager, a good human looking out for them. We burn calories to keep things in order. Grit. If your business depends on you, you don't own a business. You own a job. And folks, I come to you humbly in saying that Yes, I own a business, but I also own a job too, right? We This is not to downplay anybody's efforts, um, but I will tell you this. We have to be careful about what we call ourselves. If you are a single owner operator, 
technically because you file with the state, you own an LLC and yes, you own a business, but really you own a job. You, you've created a job for yourself because if your effort goes towards making money or furthering that job, it is a job, not a business, right? I can step outside of my business for periods of time and the business keeps on running. I couldn't do it indefinitely. Most people can't. But uh, if I stop day-to-day -day operation for 30 days, my business will go on, right? If you're a single owner operator and you step out and it doesn't go on, you own a job. Again, not good, not bad. We just have to realize what we're creating, right? Success equals information plus grit. And I apologize. We got so many graphics on the screen. There's always going to be some words or something covered up, but uh, I have the full thing on my screen here. This is my, this is, um, this is, <laughs> this is what we, uh, this is what we sort of do. Uh, this is what I believe, right? Which is uh, most of this grit and accountability uh, is like, uh, is, is the determinant of success and, and uh, info and SOPs are much smaller, right? Access to this information is free. I give it out every year. You email me at the end of this show. I'll give you my email address. You ask for this and I will send you the entire uh, stack of SOPs that I have, guides how to make them, steps to professionalization. But now the biggest problem is you actually have to do something with them. And that's way, way harder uh, than actually, uh, yeah, than actually finding the information. So an unsatisfying reality. People who win at business do a whole bunch of unsexy things really well consistently. This is grit doing consistent things all the time. As we grow these businesses, the biggest lesson to me is that usually the founder grower scaler is not the somebody to lead a business into professionalization. Those are typically two different people or one human that can morph themselves, train themselves and, uh, and kind of reboot themselves into something, which I'm doing right now. If it's not written down, it doesn't exist. You guys have heard me say this a million times. It is true. Now, if it is written down, you throw it in a file cabinet and you never manage that process or manage your humans managing that process, you might as well not have wrote it down in the first place, right? Here's the deal, folks. When we talk about information versus grit, 40% of the templates that I send out don't get used by anybody. It's free. You have me, an expert here, to help you with all this stuff. You have the template for free, and 40% of the people I send them to do not open them. So here's my challenge to all my beloved master crafts people and business owners in the industry. Put your money where your mouth is. I know you have friction in your business. If you want to get rid of it, you start using some of this information and you start implementing it. And then you start managing the humans who manage this inside your company. My personal challenge to you, right? But SOPs aren't perfect, right? Just because you write something down, just because you even manage it doesn't mean they're perfect. The auto industry, vehicle recalls, right? You want to talk about standard operating procedures on an automobile assembly line. There are numerically um, computer controlled, highly precision robots putting together cars, but yet there are recalls every year, right? And sometimes even more and more as the years go on. So just because you have a perfect system and a perfect robot and you try to delete all the variances and the humans out of it still doesn't mean it's perfect. It has to be constantly managed. It has to be constantly managed by humans, no matter what. Don't forget that. So it's part of professionalization. This is a number one for me. When we talk about, hey, uh, I want to start laying the grounds for having employees and making money and getting bigger. Before you even hire somebody, you should have a proven process. If you are a plumber, you should have to weigh, you should have a way that you could guarantee the installation of hot and cold water lines in a house, right? Before you start taking on people. Otherwise, it's just going to be chaos. So this is the sheet I'm going to send you guys at the end of this presentation. If you ask for the steps of professionalization, all of my SOPs and my guides to making SOPs, I'll send you the whole drive file. 
and you can start using them for your own company. So do you experience any of these difficult scheduling, difficult hiring, producing profitable work, callbacks, right? Daily chaos, too many things pulling you out in all directions. You feel like a firefighter problem clients. How about that? And general stagnation. I can guarantee you the likelihood of any of these things giving you problems uh, will go way down if you take all these steps to professionalization. I can guarantee you because it happened in my business. I can share all the data with you guys, right? Uh, there's people asking for it on Instagram. I'm going to give you my um, uh, email address at the end of this. I actually have a slide. Uh, it will be in the show notes as well, too. Uh, you guys may have to search around. Facebook is going to be the main uh, thing for all this. Uh, but you guys aren't going to get the full screen share, but I will share it with you on Facebook. So, Oop. so here's a solution folks. You got to have an SOP and I threw one of my cabinet SOPs up there and you got to have accountability. We have a standard operating procedure and after you have a way to onboard and train and then hold your people accountable to these standard operating procedures so that the thing gets done every time, not as a dictator, but you want to inspire them to show them what a win is. You want to teach them how to do each step because it feels good to do something under budget and get a big win for our clients, right? So what are standard operating procedures, right? A standard operating procedure is a set of step-by-step -step instructions compiled by an organization to help workers carry out routine operations. SOPs aim to achieve efficiency, quality output and uniformity of performance while reducing miscommunication and failures. Sounds like a lot. Uh, uh, that's the friction points in painting businesses, right? That's the friction points. SOPs will standardize all this. And again, it's not just about the painting folks. I have SOPs for everything we do in the company where it's meaningful, right? I have a, I have a SOP for my marketing. I'm the marketing director of this company. I have a standard operating procedure that I follow every single week. So, a standard operating procedure is an algorithm. It's an algorithm. You have an input, right? You have an algorithm. It does something to the inputs and then it creates an output. An algorithm is a set of rules to obtain an expected outcome from the given input. Now we can think about uh, algorithms are, are things that machines hold or computers hold and we feed something in and we get something out. The input is your people, your clients, your paint. Your algorithm is a standard operating procedure. You take clients, you take your beautiful craftspeople, you take paint, you throw an algorithm at it and an output is a beautifully painted home that's profitable. That's what we're trying to do here, right? So when you hear the word algorithm, that's what this is. A standard operating procedure is a recipe, is an algorithm, right? But the SOPs, I mean, again, we don't pigeonhole yourself into thinking they're just for painting. We think about coatings as like the baseline. We should have a way to just do our proven process. But what about project management and production, right? How do we actually produce a job? What's the standard operating procedure for ordering paint, for scheduling with a client, for a callback, for a change order, things like that? How about for sales and estimating? What's the standard operating procedure for greeting a client? How do you actually walk through a job? What notes do you take? How do you print out an estimate on site, which is the standard of our company? What's the follow-up standard operating procedure? How about operations? What time does the shop open? When we do cabinets, what's the order of operations on site versus in our finishing shop, right? Vans, logistics, HR. And I even have a standard operating procedure for vision that we follow every year. 
And this is actually one of the cooler ones because it's usually November and December each year where I sit down and actually think about the one, three, five, and 10 year plan of the company. It's a standard operating procedure. Now you don't have to be a robot. You don't have to make a procedure for everything, but for the core functions of your business, you must, this isn't things that just big businesses do once in a while. These are things that you must do. If you ever want to go beyond yourself and get out of that firefighting day-to-day -day chaos, the emotional roller coaster of this beautiful, beautiful thing that we do. Do you need an SOP? I will, I will take a couple steps back and say, do you even need an SOP? Cause don't, don't go too whole hog and make an SOP for everything. So this is an obvious rhetorical question, but it should be said. Do you need to contact each employee, a standard operating procedure, each week to verify that they receive their paychecks? You could make a standard operating procedure that the owner of the company has to call every single one of their employees to see if they receive their paycheck each week. Do you need to do that? Do you need to call your employees to figure out if they receive their paycheck? No, they will let you know if they don't. That is a perfect system, right? And then it lets you know that somewhere in the standard operating procedure of collecting payroll through a punch-in app, putting it on an Excel spreadsheet every Monday at 720 in the morning, sending it into payroll so that it can be held in an account by Wednesday and paid out by Friday. If somebody doesn't get their paycheck, you go back through that standard operating procedure, but you don't, those basic steps, but you don't have to make a standard operating procedure for every little thing, right? You don't have to call your employees. They'll let you know. Don't add complexity where complexity is not needed, right? The E-Myth. This is a book I read a few times. Uh, I don't read a lot of business books, but I do try to take away something like uh, the main through line through a book like that. The one thing that impressed me the most that stuck with me from the E-Myth is businesses don't fail because they missed a huge lofty goal. They fail in the mundane, seemingly insignificant everyday tasks that make up everyday business. Can you be consistent and not extreme? That is the key of all this stuff. Moose painting. My brother from up Northeast, good to see you, man, on Instagram. Businesses, I cannot say this enough. Businesses don't fail because they missed a huge lofty goal. They fail in the mundane, insignificant, everyday tasks that make up everyday business. That's it, folks. Be consistent, not extreme. It's an unsatisfying thing because I'm a moonshot guy. I'm the big, huge, lofty goal guy. Ah, we can let a few of those little things go. We'll just make this one big thing. Over the years, I have trained myself to be that consistent manager to do those everyday mundane, seemingly insignificant tasks, but it does add up to smoothness, no emotional roller coaster, less friction. It's really beautiful. Grit may be the death of you, right? You, you, uh, you pride yourself in working 100 hours a week. You pride yourself in getting up at three in the morning, working until 10 at night. You pride yourself for how hard you work, the grit, the blood coming out of your eyeballs. You work so hard. Theoretically, Professional leaders should have a low tolerance for pain, right? Doesn't seem, doesn't seem right. Seems antithetical, right? Should be the toughest person out there. That is not true. The most beautiful thing about a true professional leader is that I have a low tolerance for pain. If something comes up and it's a little bit painful, they create a procedure for it and fix it and then manage the procedure instead of just putting that fire out over and over and over again. So the best professional managers I know have the lowest tolerance for pain because they do not tolerate anything going out of sync in the business. They manage it. They create a process and check in on it all the time. They don't just say, well, I'll fix this one. We'll just see how it goes and then keep going and going and going and going and going. They are professional managers with low pain tolerances. Here's some perspective, folks. Uh, as we get into the mastering the basics, I do have to center us on some shared facts, truth, things like this about the industry. A lot of this stuff sometimes feels like I get spicy or I push back. 
I'm getting spicy with myself. This is me, folks. I've done all this stuff. I've done this stuff for way too long. Almost every single human who is watching Ask a Painter Live is doing way better than I did at that stage of business, right? And I'm very proud of that. But here's what I want you guys to know about our industry. 99% of all paint businesses in the United States are likely 1 to 1.5 people. That's one full-time person and then maybe a helper in the summer, give or take. We have a deeply fragmented industry, right? Homeowners are vastly underserved by professional home services. Now, I was once a single owner operator. I did very good paint work. I had very good customer service. I didn't have anything written down. The likelihood of 99% of all of our businesses doing that is very low. It's very low. There's a lot of rough operators out there, folks. All right. And it doesn't even mean that they're bad people. It just means that when you have a fragmented industry like this, this is an indication that there aren't enough professional painting companies to work for. So if you're really good at painting, you can't find a good place to work. So you start your own business. The problem with that is you're a really good painter and you're a horrible business person, or you don't know how to run a business. Masterfully, magically, all this chaos ensues, right? Because we think if we just paint harder and better and do more, it's solved, but it doesn't but it doesn't folks running a business and painting are two vastly different things typically done by two different people with two different personality types. 99% of our entire industry are those two humans mushed into one surprise, surprise. We have emotional roller coasters and chaos, right? But we're getting better folks. We are getting better. I have a lot of evidence to show that this is changing along with the professionalization of our industry. Every one to three years, most paint businesses go out of business, right? Surprise, surprise. I'm a master craftsperson. I can't find a paint business to work for. I go off on my own. I have no idea what to charge. If if Nick Slavic is paying me 35 bucks an hour, I'm going to go off on my own and charge $45 an hour. If you charge $45 an hour, you will go out of business. Your cash will dry up so quickly because you're not taking into account any overhead, taxes, uh, liabilities, insurance, uh, the cost of running a business, things like that. So $43,000 a year. This makes me very sad. The average painting business owner in the United States makes $43,000 a year. That is $21.5 an hour, right? I start painters with no experience at $20 an hour and pay them up to $24 their first year. These are people running a business, right? That's not okay. We have to do better. It's not because they're bad people. It's because they're not set up to win in this. They didn't set out to start a paint business. They set out to be a really good painter to make a lot of time and money freedom for them and their family. The only way to do that right now is to start your own business because there's not enough professional businesses. It's changing folks, but we got to get this number moving up and I'll update this number before the expo this year. And hopefully we'll find a higher number than that. So Tale of two companies. This is my father. This is my brother. This is us in front of our 1917 craftsman home, right? This is just before I graduated college and attempted to join my family business and was told there's no place for you, right? My father's been doing this must be over 50 years now, right? He doesn't own a cell phone. He doesn't own a computer. He might now, I haven't talked to him in a number of years, but at that time, when I started my own business, he did not own a computer. He did not own a cell phone. He's not doing cloud computing. He's not using Google Drive. He's never gone live. It's likely my father doesn't know what social media is or what I do on social media. All right? If you call my father for a painting estimate, I think he's done with business now. But two years ago, if you called my father, and this is with love, everybody. This is with love. This is my own family. I love them dearly. 
if you called my father for a painting estimate, he would ask you directions on the phone. He would write them down on a, on a yellow legal pad and drive to your house. Right. I don't know if he's ever sent an email and his son is on the internet going live. I'm traveling around the country, helping other paint business owners as a servant leader. My business is cloud-based. We use Slack. We sent 140,000 messages internally just in the company, right? We use QuickBooks. We bill people electronically. They pay by ACH and credit card. We market heavily, digitally, social media, Google. We have a ripping website, all this other stuff. A tale of two companies is pretty wild, folks. I can give you one guess as to which company has standard operating procedures and one doesn't. One of these companies is going to be worth something when it's sold later. One of them is not. This is not a value judgment. I'm sure my father's a nice guy. He just chose one path. I'm asking you guys to choose the path that all professional businesses go down in the entire United States is to do the basic things that are needed to professionalize, not which are nice to have or which only Google and Meta and all these other companies do. This is the necessities of business, folks. And I don't think we stress that enough. So this is what real businesses do. I use an SOP to, to figure out if I need an SOP. Swoosh Painting, how's it going, man? We'll see you at the retreat. Looking forward to that. So you guys remember the scientific process, Beth, from seventh grade, science, biology, chemistry, things like that. Um, the scientific process is this. You observe something. You form a hypothesis about it. You conduct an experiment with it, control the variables. You analyze that experiment. You come to a conclusion, and then you do it all over again, right? This is a standard operating procedure. I use the scientific process back from middle school and grade school to figure out if I even need a standard operating procedure. So you observe something. If something is continually a problem in your company, there should be a standard operating procedure to fix it. And then there should be a person who owns it and then manages that standard operating procedure. So the best experiments reduce variables. And that's, that's one of the things that we're known for in my company. Like everybody has standard operating procedures everywhere. But when you guys email me at the end of this and I send you my SOPs, you are going to be bowled over by how simple they are. Because I know that a more elaborate SOP does not make up for human management. It takes a simple SOP, something that humans can absolutely comply with and win all the time. And then a human to support them in that great mission. Here's the variables, folks. There's you. You are the biggest variable. Don't ever think that it's somebody else's problem, right? It's typically you. You have your clients. You have apprentices and craftspeople. You have structures. You have substrates. You have weather. You have coatings. Client expectations, right? This is insane. The PCA gives away free standards. One of them is what a properly painted surface is. That's an agreed upon thing. Almost nobody has it in their contract. It's free right now on the PCA's website. I put in my contract. So when a client says this, this, uh, this surface doesn't meet the standards, I'll say, well, lucky for you, there is an industry accepted standard and it's in my contract. So we can agree to that. And it's actually you know, standing position, normal viewing height, no amplified light. It, it lists out some criteria of actually to figure out if there's a flaw in the wall. And then there's always force majeure, right? There's a global pandemic. There's material, material shortages, weather events, things like that. So one of those things, a good experiment will limit these variables, right? But you're never going to limit all, all of the human uh, experiments. So humans, they are the variable. So you can think about paint. We love to focus on the paint. We love to focus on the brushes, but folks, focus your time on your people, right? Get your proven process down. Never stop refining, never stop improving the painting system, but your people don't care about improving the painting system. Your people care about you helping improving them. Okay. 
This would be an easy business if there are no humans involved. And this doesn't mean I don't like humans, but paint is one of the only standard things that we have in this industry. So like when the outside of a house with some paint fails, the last thing I go to is the paint. The first thing I go to is who's the human that put on it? What's the procedure? Who is managing that human? That's it. 99% of all paint failures are caused by human error, human error, mainly because of no uh, standard operating procedure as well too. So take a all right hello everybody just checking in with instagram my gosh we got some people watching tonight <laughs> this is awesome we got people on tiktok loving my three monitor setup they think it's pretty excessive i don't think it's excessive at all i absolutely love it so all right remember there's a difference between people going to a standardized product like a Big Mac, right? You go to McDonald's because Big Mac is a standard thing versus taking a non-standardized product to the client, right? There's a thing called mass production. This computer right here, I don't get to make it myself. I don't get to decide what the standards are. You either buy this computer or another version of it or something else. Mass production is people go to the factory. Mass customization is what we do. This is one of the most beautiful business terms I learned uh, about manufacturing in, in uh, college, which is, we always think of it as mass produced things that are all standardized versus completely custom. There's a middle thing called mass customization where we do some generally accepted things, some general processes, and we tweak them 10%, 20% for each of our little projects. Does that ring a bell? That is painting my friends. So think about mass production. This is an actual, if you guys can't see this on Instagram and TikTok, this is really cool. This is an actual standard operating procedure from McDonald's and it has some cook stations and it literally on here says, I'm trying to find it. Oh, wrapping 14 seconds. A hot meat patty is placed in the assembled bun and the sandwich is wrapped 14 seconds. That's their standard operating procedure, right? 20 seconds assembly, 11 seconds bun toasting. They break it down by the seconds there. That is a standard operating procedure. That is mass production. There's mass customization. We paint cabinets. We use the same primer, the same paint, the same process in every cabinet, but each set of cabinets is tiny, a little bit different. And we just adapt it very slightly every time for that, right? That's called mass customization. We are in the industry of mass customization. If you think everything you do is custom, if you use the same type of paint more than once or twice, you're not custom, you're mass customization. And then there's full customization, which would be a one-off art piece, right? I would even argue, I was in uh, Seattle, uh, Morgan Zion, uh, who is the host of this PCA event, is a muralist. She does all these fabulous murals all over. We were in this swanky hotel, murals all over the place. Even though each mural is custom, she uses the same process the same type of paints, the same procedure for painting, the same layout, the same estimating process. That is mass customization. Now, it might be a little farther along the line of customization, but it's still mass customization, people. And if you think that you're doing beautiful snowflake one-off work, painting tan bedrooms gray, you are mass customization approaching mass production, right? It's just that we take that thing to the customer's house. I say that not to downplay what we do. I say that just to really impress upon you the importance of having a standardized procedure for this, right? SOPs create a trust environment, even in a mass customization environment, right? So think about one of the more custom things that we do. Now, yes, we do some crazy murals and things like that too, but decks, 
Decks have so many more variables. They usually have a finish you can see through. There's weather. There's everything that's been done in the past. There's the type of wood. There's sprinklers. Or how's the how the clients use them? We have a standard operating procedure that's very short for decks. I can't remember the 14 or 15 uh, potential steps, right? But in a world of, oh, I couldn't possibly tell you how to do a deck because every deck is unique. No, 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 no. We train our people on two systems, one for a, a transparent finish, one for an opaque finish. Now, yes, we might have to tweak it, up the chemicals, lower the chemicals, but we're still in a mass customization world, right? So you can take something that has even more variables, right? It's like, oh my God, they're so complicated. You never know. Well, okay, there's only two to three more variables on a deck than there is painting a bedroom or a bathroom, right? So don't let don't let that little bit of mass customization stand in the way of you standardizing that process. It's better for your clients and for your people. Otherwise, when you stare your apprentices and craftspeople in the face and say, well, listen, every deck is different. I can't even tell you how to begin. They'll look you in the face and say, I don't know what you want me to do here. If you can't tell me how this is going to be done, I, I can't read your mind. I don't have 30 years of experience. I don't know what you want from me. And they're right. There is a standard process for it. SOPs are a comfort uh, blanket to our decent human beings. The people that we're bringing into this trade, these young, bright, vibrant, positive, optimistic people who want to learn something and have time and money freedom and, and take uh, gratification in what they do, they need a framework around them, right? Not only in a process with codings and systems and, and SOPs for that, but they also need a good manager and somebody to inspire them to do it, right? This, this is not... You saw those comments at the start of this presentation. This is not some um, micromanaging human that lays on a process for somebody. If you don't have these, your people are going to bug out, rightly so. So what do SOPs look like? Let's take a look at some SOPs and not just from the painting industry. Colgate, proper way to brush your teeth. There is a standard operating procedure for brushing your teeth, right? These are things that if everybody on earth does it twice a day, billions of times a day, this standard oper operating procedure is carried out, right? So don't forget, this is not just for businesses, not just for painters. This is everything. Look at five steps. Start with the outer surfaces. Tilt your brush 45. Brush the inner surfaces. Clean the chewing surfaces of your teeth. Brush your tongue. Outside, inside, tops, tongue, done. Billions of times every day, this SOP is carried out. It's not just for painters, folks, right? This is my beloved one from the army. This is a standard operating procedure on how to make your bed, right? Now, this is excessive. I'm not going to be doing this to my people. But at the same time, this is how important SOPs are. I get what this was in the military. I, I fought against this stuff all the time, right? I understand what they're trying to do. They're, they're there to install consistency and discipline, right? Consistency and discipline. I'm going to answer a few questions here. We've got a couple of great questions coming in. All right. Patrick, I definitely need the toothbrushing SOP off to a root canal. Oh no, dude. Sorry about that. Hey, if you email me, I'll send you Colgate's SOP, brother. <laughs> you just now see again, we all know how to brush our teeth. Can you be consistent enough to do it? Right? That's information plus grit. The information is there. It, and in fact, brushing your teeth is fairly intuitive. You don't even need an SOP. Can you do it twice a day for the rest of your life? That's a harder thing. Goose painting. How's it going? Do you have a different standard operating procedure for different ages of homes? No. Uh, here's the deal. The outside of a Victorian mansion and the outside of a house that's six years old, I have the same SOP except for step three, which is follow the EPA RRP guidelines during prep. And you delete power washing on old houses. That's it. And that is following the EPA RRP guidelines. There's no difference. There's no difference, folks. If you throw in the EPA RRP guidelines, that's the adaptation we do from old houses to now. So good to see you guys, though. All right. Uh, 
do let's see what else we got here oh my god thanks everybody for watching tonight here <laughs> oh man TikTok, you are a wild bunch over there you're making fun of my computer monitors and some uh comments are being filtered for community content i just gotta love that TikTok, man it's great so all right folks uh let's go to the next one here a recipe is an algorithm is an SOP. This is a recipe for dump cake, right? It's just a funny naming thing, but there is no different than a, for an SOP, than an algorithm, than a recipe. That's all it is. A recipe is just a standard operating procedure that we use to get a consistent result with less chaos, right? We're, this is not new to us, right? We would never bake some bread or some elaborate recipe, some cake, uh, some dessert, just by winging it, guessing the ingredients and guessing the process. Come on, guys. The first thing you would do is go to your phone and Google the recipe for it. We should do the same for our painting businesses. So how to make an SOP? That's the next step, right? Well, great. I need an SOP. Now what? First principle reasoning. First principle reasoning is breaking something down to its fundamental truths. What problem are you trying to solve? What outcome do you want? What are the available inputs? If this didn't exist, if I had no preconceived notions about any of this, how would I create a system to do this, right? That's the fun part. Simplicity and its effect on compliance. So here we go. Perfection is the enemy of really good. This is something I tell myself every single day. And in fact, I do believe this. In fact, irrationally, people who say, well, I'm a perfectionist, uh, it makes me angry because I feel like most people use that as an excuse for not doing something right? Well, if I can't do it perfect, I'm not going to do it at all. Nothing in life is perfect. We're painters. We know that there's no such thing as a perfect paint job. That's, that's ridiculous. If you have a simple SOP, 95% of the time your humans will comply with it and win. If you have the perfect SOP, the complex one, if you have a 19 page document on how to paint a bedroom, guess what? Only 10% of your people are ever going to comply with it. It's too complex to comply to. You need to make something that's easy for people to get a quick win. All right. Swoosh. At what point did you introduce SOPs? First employee, you should have these suckers written down, practice and proven before your first employee. Asterisk, I did not do that. Right. So there's a lot of things that I'm going to preach that I didn't do. I already had 12, 15 employees before I wrote down my first SOPs. Right. I put up with a lot of chaos by me holding it together, my grit holding it together. Once we got our SOPs down, smooth it all out. That's what we owe our people here. Ha <laughs> ha. Elder Alejandro Allegria, if I create an SOP, how do I make sure all of my employees are on top of it? You. You are the owner of the SOP. You are the LMA, the lead manage and accountability person in your company. If you hire that person, they are your direct report and it is your responsibility to ensure they follow the SOP. But what this looks like is not something going wrong and you going there and screaming at them. You know this elder, right? This starts with a job description that says, here are the SOPs of the company. This is what we do before they even come on. There's an onboarding process where you teach them these SOPs. Then there's a training process where you continue to teach and an ongoing training process with a possible master crafts person, even yourself after that with a check-in process and your incentives and your pay and comp plan are tied to them following the SOPs. And it's you constantly inspiring, being happy and training them with the SOPs. but I'm not there all day long with them. Somebody has to be. If you hire somebody, uh, show them one of my videos on how to paint a wall and then send them out to a, a place to do it on their own, you're wrong, right? And I know this elder. I know that's not what you're saying. The problem is it needs to be part of the training. 
and you need to have ongoing training. You need to have somebody who knows what they're doing with them to continue to train. That is the best way to do it. And you can then say, I don't have somebody that can train them. Guess what? You got to do it then. You got to do it then. It takes a while. It takes somewhere between, you know, three months before my people can paint walls really, really well, really, really fast on their own. It takes maybe six to nine months for them to do cabinets and trim. And it takes a year before they're a crew leader. They need that support. You can say you're not going to be there, but you're going to have crazy turnover, crazy problems on job sites if you're not there to train them. What I would do, Elder, is stick with your people, train shoulder to shoulder, being that happy person over and over and over again until they're good enough to then train somebody else. That's what my apprenticeship program is built on. Part of their job description is at 12 months, we find them an apprentice and they have to train somebody now. That's how it goes. How do you implement SOPs uh, with employees, especially current employees? as you create them. Same thing, John, you know how it works. You've been in this industry. Uh, it has to be part of the job description. You have to onboard them. You have to train them. And there has to be a consistent feedback system to making sure that they're supported and they're following uh, all that stuff. So, all right, let's see what we got here. Travis, how's it going, my friend? Have you had success giving a leader the freedom to create and or adapt any SOPs? Problem is I'm a really good painter and I've been doing this for 30 years and I've tried everything. So it's very, unlikely that most of my people will make crazy innovations. Although I do keep an eye out and uh, two to three times a year, I take something my people do and adapt it and put it in our SOP. But one of the things that I believe I owe my people as the master craftsperson of this company is that set of standard operating procedures that they can follow. Now I'm happy for them to take some liberty with them for a, a better budget, a better quality outcome, things like that. Um, but honestly, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if you take somebody who's just started in this trade, in this industry, and then me doing it for 31 years, uh, it's very unlikely that they're going to have a fresh insight that I don't, not because they're bad people, just because I'm the ask a painter guy. I bleed this. I've lived it for 31 years. Nobody's thought more about this, right? So that's a very unique situation. Now, if you were an owner that did not have a lifetime of painting and things like that, I would absolutely ask for input from people. And in fact, I do get a lot of feedback from my people, but mainly it's on like the experience in my company, the personnel side. I don't have as much experience uh, as that as I do being a master craftsperson. So, yeah. Okay. Onward we go. So I hear there's a sports game and my kids are watching it in the other room here. So where to start, right? Process to deliver your product. So codings and applications process to facilitate delivery of your product, estimating production recruiting. This is, this is the areas of SOPs that I focus on first to last external processes that create opportunities to deliver your product marketing, right? Internal processes to affect your effectiveness and efficiency of your product, job costing, benchmarking, financial reporting, and then budgeting effectively right? That's where I focus my stuff on. You all start with the paint because that's your, that's your flagship. That's your proven stuff. And as soon as you get that down, you move on to the next thing, which tends to be estimating production, recruiting, then marketing, and then job costing, benchmarking, financial stuff after that to make sure you're good. Now, in, in, in my world, I break SOPs down into training SOPs uh, and then SOP checklists, right? Because we have training SOPs that are two hours long, full of videos, time lapse, stop motion, all that other crazy stuff, right? but you're not going to take that into the field. So my idea is when you train, you have these really robust training modules, you know, videos, checklists, all this other stuff, uh, hours long. I, I broke down all of those things into SOP checklists, which are one page documents laminated that people take on site. And I'm going to send you guys those. I'm going to send you these as well too. I have a guide, a four-step process on how to make a full SOP, a training SOP. Basically, if you boil this, I'm not going to read off everything on this thing. This is a one-page PDF that I'm going to send you guys, right? Basically, the crux of this is 
I figure out what the steps of the process are, right? So there's 27 steps for an exterior paint job in my company, right? I give myself the limitation of Nick, you get one slide to describe each step. So now what you can see here, step number 10 on, on here on the Facebook share is plastic miscellaneous items on the house after everything else is done. I show a house, I circle some items that are examples of miscellaneous and I show them prepped. And then I show them, here's the items you're going to need for that. Here's the procedure for them, things like that. I, I, I give myself that limitation of one slide. You get some words and a picture and that's it. You need to be able to portray whatever that step number 10 is in one slide. And that's my limitation. I like that kind of stuff. Training SOP, training SOP. So uh, much larger, right? These are typical PowerPoint slides in my company. Uh, they're very much more robust. And uh, yeah, I basically give myself a slide. So you can see step number five is create a project plan, things like that. That's what it looks like. How to make an SOP checklist. So I actually walk you through the process of how you would come up with SOPs in the first place, right? I start with the checklist generally. So you write down the major steps. And if we're being honest here, folks, the major steps of painting a bedroom are prep, top coat one, top coat two, deep prep. Technically, that's an SOP but it's not enough to train. It's not enough to go on for your people. So now you got to add in some minor steps in there on step one, prep drop cloths, patching tape and masking and switch plates, right? That's basic prep. Now that doesn't show you how to do it. doesn't tell you what tools, but it's laying out the basic prep, right? And now you add in some, uh, in the third step, I add in some things that support that. So in, in, in all my SOP, step number one is yard sign right out there. Now I know it's not painting related, but it's very important to the company. There's not another way to get it in there like that. So we do that. Uh, but basically in the end of it, you take a, a thing which started off as four prep, top one, top two, uh, deprep four steps. And you basically turn it into 14 different steps as you add in those supporting things. And I still separate all of my SOPs by kind of the prep, the painting, and then the deprep there. And I kind of color code them on there just to show people uh, stuff like that. And this is basically it. This is the outcome of something like that. And I'm just going to pause and take a little drink here. All right see here just scan an ig real quick hello estimator andy how are you my friend all right so this is an sop um this is our wall painting sop uh this is a great system it's simple it's broken down yes there's a few steps on there but uh after about three or four weeks of somebody using this they don't need to use it anymore because it's super intuitive and uh yeah not a lot of things in question there so and this is the final product of our SOP checklist, which are laminated sheets that get sent out into the field for our people. Uh, when people are onboarded into my company, they get a set of these. When they're training in our training facility for the first week, they get a set of these for them to keep, and then they take it out into the field. And like I said, typically a few weeks later, this is all intuitive. They have a great mentor with them, and we just rock and roll. An SOP can even be this. We always think of it as like, oh, steps to doing something. An SOP can be this. These are the products we use to facilitate the SOP. And not just a list of stuff, but there's an infographic, a one pager that's laminated that says, hey, uh, when you show up Monday morning, take a look at this. If you're missing any of this, grab from the, from the supply room and head out. That's an SOP as well, too. Making it simple for your people. But remember, SOPs, take, take it 10 steps back from the SOPs and think about, they have to serve a greater purpose, right? It's just not so you can be bossy or hold people accountable. You start with the goals of the business. If you are a business owner, you have to come up with goals of the business. How much revenue, how much profit, where do we want to be? How many employees does that take? How many estimates does that take? How many jobs does it take? 
all that stuff. You break it down. Then you start creating deliverables for everybody. Well, if we want to do a million dollars in revenue this year, we're going to need seven painters and they're all going to have to do $147,000 of revenue a piece. That's just I, that's probably not the right number, but then you start creating deliverables. Well, each, each painter has to create $147,000 in revenue. Uh, let's start making a job description so we can do that and win. Then you create a job description based on that to hire people. Then you create an SOP so that person in, in the job description knows what they're doing. And then you have an accountability process, which for me is typically four times a year with painters, goal setting and review processes where we rate them on attendance and job performance and see how they do. And typically when they don't do well in job performance, when a job misses, it's typically because a step in the SOP wasn't done perfectly or it wasn't done at all, give or take. Lessons learned, best practices. So this is condensing 31 years as a, as a painter, 15 years of running my own business, soon to be 16 here coming up. If it's not written down, it doesn't exist. You guys have heard me say this a thousand times before, right? You've heard me say this a thousand times before. If it's not written down, it does not exist, right? And then if, once you write it down, you need to manage that process. If creating SOPs takes you more than a few hours, you're doing it wrong. This is not a hard process, folks. If you don't know how to paint yourself, use mine as a basis. If you don't know how to paint yourself, I can connect you with 1,300 other people across the U.S. who will tell you how to paint and give you their SOPs, right? SOPs in a file cabinet are useless. It has to have an inspirational, happy manager there to help people, to teach them, to train them, to support them along the way, right? Nothing home system like teaching it to others. Craftspeople versus master craftspeople. Now, we use those words. There is no certification for master craftsperson, right? But I call myself one. Why? Once in a while, somebody asked me that question. Well, here's how I can prove it. If you would hire me, I would be the best, fastest painter you have ever, ever hired. I could also run your business as well, too. I can talk to clients. I can spec paint. I can tell you the molecular science of everything. I can restore a Victorian mansion by myself in two and a half weeks, right? I can do all this stuff. The reason I feel comfortable in calling myself a master craftsperson, because you also add in the thing that I can train the living hell out of people, right? We all know that there's good painters out there, but they're mean, grumpy old people that don't like training other people. I've devoted my life to it, right? And I like it. I really, really like it. Hey, Pookie. What's up, baby? Do you want to ask a painter right now? How can I help you, babe? You want to sit with me for a little bit? Okay, grab a chair. I'm just going to finish up. We're talking about standard operating procedures. You know what that is? No. So we talked about something tonight, right? Come on, come on in here. Have a seat. Do you know how to paint nails? Yeah, because he went over at the shed. Yep. You know, baby, you know how to paint nails because what did you just do before I ask a painter live? Um, I don't remember. You painted my nails. Oh, yeah. Describe to me the process of painting my nails. Well, first, you have to get the colors. Mm -hmm. You have to choose a color, right? And on sometimes, what I've seen you and your mama and sister do is you take a certain um, um, nail polish remover, right? And you remove the nail polish. Yeah. Why do you remove that old nail polish? So you can put a new coat if it's like a different color. Mm -hmm. If the other one is on. Yep, exactly. We don't always do that to mine, right? Because mine, yeah. we just paint mine. Yeah. What's the next step? So we've chosen a color. We've taken off the old nail polish. What's the next step in painting nails? You paint the nails, but instead of going sideways, you go straight in lines. You go straight in lines. So there's even a technique with it, right? And um, after we after we paint the nails on the base coat, then what do we do? We wait it 
before um, until it dries. Mm-hmm. And then after, if you want it to stay on longer, we have this one thing that you put on top of it when it's all dry. That's right. And, and that's a clear coat, right? Yeah. And what does that clear coat do? It makes the nail stay on for longer. Sounds like it protects it. All right, folks. Does that sound familiar to you? That's what I call standard operating procedure. And guess what? My eight-year-old, eight-year-old, uh-huh. my eight-year-old daughter knows what a standard operating procedure is, right? She was an apprentice to her mother and her sister. Did they teach you how to paint nails? Yes. Yes, they did. So we have a training process. We have an onboarding process. We have a way of inspiring her by fun colors. And also as the trainer who did not grow up painting their nails, um, I now, I'm a happy trainer. She is my apprentice and I allow her to paint my toenails. I have the brightest shade of pink you'd ever see on my toes right now. It's like electric, right? And you're the best. And get this, she goes one step farther, which is what did you do your what did you do to your nails tonight? Um, I put little daisies on them. She even did decorative painting over the top of it. So it sounds like she had a change order in there part of the way and the client herself decided to do something decorative in there. So, folks, come on now. Hey, Nick, I've been working on my SOPs for six months. I, I just can't, I, I, I know my guys need some recipe card, some algorithm, some SOP to paint a bedroom. My eight-year-old daughter does it. She can recite an SOP off the top of her head. She can't spell most of the words she just <laughs> said. All right, folks, information versus grit, right? Do you have enough grit to do something that my eight-year-old daughter does, which is write down your SOPs and then teach it to somebody else. She takes the time to teach me about this stuff. I always tell her, don't worry about the clear code, right? It's like, God, just paint them, right? And you're always worried about me. I'm your client. You say, we need more protection. So I allowed her to put a clear code on them tonight. I'm normally impatient. I just want to get going, but she's the master craftsperson and she knows better. And she advised me tonight that we need to have clear code. Perfect timing, right? That's even paint related. So folks, what's your excuse? What's your excuse? And for people on TikTok and Instagram, uh, you can't see her uh, because of the camera angles, but my eight-year-old daughter Pookie is standing next to me and you heard her describe a standard operating procedure, right? So what's your excuse out there, everybody? What's your excuse? Start simple. Add complexity only where is needed, right? It has to be measurable. A, a standard operating procedure should have an outcome like a light switch. They did it or they didn't. And a standard operating procedure shouldn't say do it fast and do it good. There needs to be some outcome trained into that process. SOPs are living documents, just like you guys were asking before. Have you ever innovated? Absolutely. Uh, we were doing a stain job uh, a couple months ago. And one of my master craftspeople, Brady, amazing human, amazing master craftspeople, he showed me this really cool technique when staining uh, 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 raised panel doors, like passage doors, where we'd stain it. And, you know, typically we'd ball up a rag and get the stain out of the corners. He took a hog bristle brush, a dry one, and just kind of got the stain out of there, got, soaked it up with that like that. I was like, that is absolute genius. In 31 years, I've never thought about doing that. High praise to him for coming up with that uh, and uh, couldn't be more proud of him with stuff like that. Now, the leader's responsibility is pattern detection, right? If you see people over and over and over again failing or not doing something to standard, they either need more training or the standard has to be changed or the standard operating procedure needs to be changed, right? Here's my data points. If something goes wrong in the job site, 98% of the time, the standard operating procedure was not followed. And one of the coolest thing is, especially with like my estimating SOP, my project management SOP, if there's a problem on a job site or a problem on an estimate, we can actually go through and there's probably one 
step to that SOP that wasn't done hundred percent, wasn't done perfectly, or wasn't done at all. And you can almost always trace it back through that training. Now, here's a good part, folks. What you're going to see with my SOPs is that it doesn't tell you what brush to use or what paint to use. It is a standard operating procedure, procedure, right? By default, I buy my people one brush, one roller cover, one paint for walls inside a house. It doesn't have to be written in there because there are no other options. My decent human beings and me fill the gaps of those sort of things, right? Common sense and wonderful humans will always help SOPs work better, but you got to have a good manager. So here we go, folks, for a copy of my steps to professionalization. Let me pull that back up on there for you guys. Do, 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 do. First time trying to do those with daisies. How'd they, they turn were, out? Um, a little challenging, but I think they look great, sister. <laughs> That's awesome. So, what you guys are seeing are two documents here. Uh, a couple things. My steps to professionalization. I will send you the copy of that with all the links to the Ask a Painter live shows, and I'll update it after each show. Um, if you email me, Nick at nickslavic.com, ask for these three things from this show: steps to professionalization my SOPs and how to make SOPs guide. That's it. And I will send you all those things. Give me a little bit of time though. Cause after every, every year I always update these things, uh, with new, new links, um, new information, new data, all those things like that. So let me go, let me go down here a little bit. Elder Alejandro, he's asking about, okay, here, let me go back a couple slides here. He's asking about what the other 2% is. Now, remember what variables were? If something goes wrong in a job site, 98%, the SOP isn't followed. It could be client. It could be weather. It could be force majeure. It could be any number of things, right? It could just be a weird, weird coincidence. It might even be a bad can of paint, although I almost never rely on that. So Alejandro, I, I, will, I will say this. Remember, don't let the exception be the rule, right? If you do this 98% of the time, if 98% of all paint jobs went, went really well, went under budget and the client was happy with it, our entire industry would be different because I bet you 98% of all paint jobs don't go well. It's some other number, right? We actually track that internally in my company. Uh, I think we get between five and 7% callbacks. So in my company, when we get below a threshold of 93% of jobs under budget and then um, uh, get a callback of uh, offense to it, then we start checking into the SOPs again. So. Yeah. All right. So there it is, folks. Let me just scan for questions again. And uh, it is Sunday. I got my little pookie here and uh, I want to make sure I get plenty of family time here. So all right, let me just check. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man, Steve, how much does she charge? We need some SOPs uh, for a date. Uh, pookie. Oh, Burns Designs. Bridget, how are you? Good to see you. Uh, love your images on Instagram. Absolutely love following you. Oh, we see Aurelia Slavic, your sister in there too. Yes, Nugget. Yes. How's it going, Nugget? Watch on Instagram. Nugget, I know you're going to want to see uh, the screen share, so you should probably pop over to Facebook too so you can see all the SOPs. So, all right. Do, 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 do. Ah, Goose Painting. Are we ending with a song again? Oh my God, great idea. Should we uh, go out with a song? All right. What is your favorite song right now? We're going to end on a song. What do you like listening to? Oh my God. <laughs> this is my, oh my God. You guys are going to love this. She just whispered in my ear, a Daft Punk song. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's see if we can get all this to play here. And we will go out on this. If we can get all the audio to look at.
Sister, that is so awesome. You could have named any Taylor Swift song in the world, but you chose doing it right. That is absolutely amazing, sister. Yes, you do, sis. We'll just give it a couple minutes and then we are out of here. So thank you so much for um, watching Ask a Painter Live. Don't forget to email me. The show notes are going to have a whole bunch of uh, dates coming up. There's going to be a link to the Business Accelerator. So if you like any of this stuff, you can actually go to the BCA's website, sign up for a group of 8 to 10 to 12 people, and actually go through hardcore business stuff like this uh, on a formal learning management system, too. So it's a good song. I like this one. What do the kids say? This is a banger. This is hot, lit, fire, dope, sister. <laughs> oh, she's chasing a ladybug around. All right, everybody. It means the world to me that you guys are uh, here on a Sunday night. Happy Thanksgiving. Next week, uh, we'll have a special show. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, it's going to be another Mastering the Basics. I'm going to come to you with a mid uh, midweek show uh, with Estimate Project this week. Uh, a whole, uh, oh, Elder, when are you coming to Central California? Check the show notes on Facebook, my friend. All right, folks. I'm glad you can hear that. Yeah. So, of all the songs, Little Girl makes me so proud. Not only did she rattle off an SOP, but uh, she named a Daft Punk song as her favorite song. Right now. So that means a lot to me, everybody. We must be trained in her well. The apprenticeship is going well at my house. So, all right, everybody. Have a good rest of the evening. I appreciate all of you. And we'll see you soon. All right. <laughs> Do you want to shut down Facebook now, too? Bye, Facebook. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org. 